Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Revolt Black News, presented by State Farm. This week in Revolt Black News, we look at progress. Now, some of us see the vaccines as a track to the finish line, and then some of us do not. But perhaps a simple conversation, a candid one, is a viable path to put our aspirations forward. Or let's look at home ownership. Y'all, our people have been discriminated against and redlined for years, and many still are. It leaves our communities discarded and out of sight and out of mind for decades. So what do we do? Well, we're gonna do the same thing that we do with the vaccines. We jump over the hurdles by talking about the hurdles. And just like so many of our people have been able to do, they just thrived on that Olympic stage, right? Because they didn't treat it like a sprint. So we gotta pace ourselves. We gotta know that there is indeed a finish line out there somewhere. The problem is that there's a whole lot of white supremacy blocking the view. So while we have moments where progress may seem insurmountable, or that we are only inches away from victory. We just gotta remember, progress, it ain't a race. It's a marathon. Welcome to Revolt Black News. I'm your host, Ebony K. Williams. Now from New York City's vaccine mandate to actual mask bans that are taking places in red states like Texas and Florida, we want to take a different approach today as to how we discuss all of this and how it affects, of course, our people. So today we want to bring in some familiar faces and Revolt family uh, that all of y'all now know and love to have a roundtable discussion about what this means for the culture, how much our community can potentially lose in this situation and how we all feel about it. All right, y'all, so you know her from major appearances on networks like MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. Of course, we love it when she holds things down for us here at Revolt Black News, Rochelle Ritchie. Also joining us, he is my other half of my podcast, Holding Court with Ebony K. Williams. And of course, check him out on the fantastic podcast, The Friend Zone, where he keeps it spicy. And of course, we see him often here at Revolt Black News celebrating black excellence, Mr. Dustin Ross. Welcome both of y'all to the show. Thank you, Ebony. Hey, Ebony. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, Queen. Um, all right, y'all. So listen, uh, last week, New York City became the very first American city to require proof of at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccination for a variety of indoor activities. So this is gyms, restaurants, performances. Uh, we know that this has a variety of impacts. One of it is, you know, how black folks are moving outside. Some of this is the fact that some uh, people, black people included, are not choosing to get vaccinated for a variety of reasons, including um, historical nature, a Tuskegee experiment, what have you. And we want to understand all of that. But there are also impacts to black businesses um, around these vaccine mandates. So all of this to say, y'all, it's a lot of factors. Uh, Rochelle, we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, how do you feel and how do you reconcile uh, some of these new mandates? Well, you know, I was living in New York uh, during the time that the pandemic hit. And, you know, the country tends to follow behind New York, New York's lead. And that's why I think a lot of people are nervous as to is this something that is going to happen in my own state? I think it's unfortunate, mm -hmm. though, that we're going to be in this situation where we're having to carry cards to prove 
uh, our our health status and and to share that with um, you know with with managers or someone at a restaurant. And I also have concerns about it because I do think that it is a person's choice whether or not they want to be vaccinated and to deny American citizens their freedom to spend their money in a restaurant or to go into a place uh, where they where they want to enjoy or work out or do any of those kind of things. I think it's a little a little too much. I will say this. I am vaccinated. I have Pfizer. I got it in April and now I'm starting to make uh, copies of my vaccination card because I feel like I'm going to have to carry my card to just access certain businesses or certain places in the country uh, that I want to visit. Fair enough. Um, I got some hot takes, but I'm going to let Dustin go first. Um, what do you think about this, Dustin Ross? You know what? Bring it on. I'm one of the people who saw this coming in the beginning and the day that I got my second dose back in April. I too was vaccinated in April, Rochelle. Um, but that next day I went straight to get my card laminated because I knew that the day was coming when I was going to have to show it um, for whatever purposes. And here we are. Um, you know, while I don't like the uh, infringement upon our rights, you know, our choice to get vaccinated or not, I also don't want to enjoy those places, um, gyms, restaurants, nightclubs with a higher risk of contracting COVID and suffering complications from that. So I welcome it. You know, um, let's push the needle forward. I'm tired of dealing with this and living like this. So let's keep making steps toward just moving past this. And I think this is one of those steps. Listen, here's my thing. I'm all for civil liberties as much as the next person, but civil liberties, individual rights in this country have always been required to go up against a litmus test for the overall public health and concern and safety. Period. Carte blanche. That don't matter if it's the right of free speech. Doesn't matter. We're talking about the right to bear arms. Those individual rights always have limitations. And that limitation is when it starts infringing upon uh, overall public safety. So let's talk about these variants, y'all. Uh, we know there's Delta variant. There's also now the Lambda variant. We know that that's all causing a lot of concern. We know um, just what you were speaking about, Rochelle, that the vast majority of hospitalizations right now are unvaccinated folks. I mean, the literal CDC data is showing that unvaccinated folks have uh, a 2.34 times the odds of reinfection if they've already had COVID. It's all bad. It's all really bad. 99.5% of individuals currently dying of COVID-19 uh, in the U.S. are the unvaccinated. Based off of that, uh, what comes to your mind when you think about these variants, y'all, when we think about Delta and we think about Lambda? Um, I'll go first, which is that I am vaccinated. I was, I, I skipped the line. Um, I got vaccinated just as soon as possible because I realized there was no line. It's like, you know, you, you ever been somewhere and you're trying to respect the process, but you see like it's just a mob of people? That's what time it was. So when I got the call in February that I could get a vaccine, deuces i'm out that's exactly what's happened i know i can get COVID 19 again and because of my long-term symptom uh situation i'm very scared of getting COVID again so i am still masking although i am vaccinated um how do y'all feel about that um i'll start with you rochelle um i'm definitely with you ebony on that i'm still wearing my mask even though i'm vaccinated i feel like i'm going to probably be wearing a mask for the next year and a half if not two years because you have all these different variants coming out and we really don't know how the vaccinations we received are going to respond to these different variants so i'm going to take uh those different precautions 
when I think about the different variants that are coming out and I think about the hospitalizations, I think about my father. And I'm going to go dark here because I need people to understand and get a real sense of what COVID looks like because it's not a virus where you can just sometimes, you know, isolate at home for, for two weeks and then come out and be fine. If you are okay with yourself or someone that you love having six liters of blood on their lungs, having what looks like black tar coming out of their lungs. If you are okay with them having to have their toes and fingers amputated because the blood is rushing to their major organs, which is taking blood from their smaller, their smaller extremities. If you're okay with that, if you are okay with talking with your family member in the hospital on a Zoom call because you can't go to the hospital, then fine, do what you do. But that is the reality of COVID. And I think that there's been a little bit of a lack of uh, real um, storytelling when it comes to what this virus really looks like and what it can really do. My father was 57. He had a black belt in karate. He did not smoke ever in life. He didn't drink. I drank more than he did. He never even had a beer. So we're not talking about somebody that was unhealthy, right? We're talking about somebody that was young and relatively healthy. So I just say, if that's what you want, if you're okay with that reality, then do you, boo. Yeah, just um, just kind of piggybacking off of what Rochelle um, just so openly shared with us. You do have to be prepared for those harsh realities. And there, there, are, there are facts and numbers and data and real, um, qualifiable, you know, data that supports the reason to get vaccinated. Um, and more importantly, there are deaths that support the reasons for us to get vaccinated. So it's just time to make that hard decision. Dustin, Rochelle, appreciate you both so much, your vulnerability and just having this conversation much needed. Listen, y'all up next, we've got your headlines and a whole lot more revolt black news. So stay with us. back to Revolt Black News. Here are this week's headlines. After months of sexual assault and harassment allegations, and after last week's report... Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From the New York Attorney General, Tish James, that determined culpability... New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has resigned. Let's take a look. The best way I can help now is if I step aside and let government get back to governing. And therefore, that's what I'll do. Because I work for you. And doing the right thing is doing the right thing for you. Because as we say, it's not about me. It's about we. The Lieutenant Governor, Kathy Hochul, is now set to replace Cuomo in just 12 days. That will make her the first woman governor of New York State. And over in DC, the Senate passed a $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that includes plans for bridges, clean energy, broadband, and much more. Here's President Joe Biden's remarks. I wanna thank a group of senators, Democrats and Republicans, for doing what they told me they would do the uh, death of this legislation was mildly premature, as reported. 
They said they're willing to work in a bipartisan manner, and I want to thank them for keeping their word. That's just what they did. After years and years of Infrastructure Week, we're on the cusp of an infrastructure decade that I truly believe will transform America. Also, Vice President Kamala Harris addressed the infrastructure bill. Let's watch. Because today, we move one step closer to making a once-in-a-generation investment in our nation's infrastructure. Today, Democrats, Independents, and Republicans in the United States Senate passed the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. President Biden has nominated Damian Williams to be the U.S. Attorney for Manhattan. Now, when confirmed, Williams, a veteran prosecutor, would become the first black man to have the position. Now, over to Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis has issued an executive order prohibiting mask mandates in schools. He said that the State Board of Education is also considering to withhold the salaries of superintendents and school board members who defy his orders. DeSantos claims to be protecting the parents' rights by saying this. Ultimately, education funding is for the students. The kids didn't make the decision to encroach upon parents' rights, so any financial penalties for breaking the rule would be targeted to those officials who made that decision. Governor DeSantos' executive order is currently facing multiple lawsuits, and on Tuesday, the Broward County School Board voted 8-1 to to actually maintain the mask mandate. Over to Texas, despite Governor Greg Abbott's similar mask ban, multiple major school districts are defying the executive order and they are requiring their students to wear masks. Now, with a plethora of lawsuits afoot, just like over in Florida, there is one in particular in Travis County. It aims to give autonomy back to the school districts and let them decide if mask wearing should be required. And in Dallas and Bear counties, judges have already issued rulings to temporarily block Governor Abbott's executive order. Y'all, it's a lot going on in these two states. And as always, we will stay on any and all recent developments and report them as they come in. Now over to an extremely disturbing story in the city of Wyoming, Michigan. Here, a black real estate agent named Eric Brown, along with two clients, Roy Thorne and his teenage son, they were all wrongfully handcuffed for a reported break-in. Let's take a look. I just thought, well, we're going to have to probably leave because they're maybe looking for um, a criminal. And Roy's son, uh, Sammy, came upstairs and said that there were a whole lot of police officers outside the home. And that's when Roy looked outside and noticed that there were officers there and, and they were um, pointing guns towards the property. The UN Climate Panel recently released a comprehensive assessment of climate change and it left very little up to the imagination. The UN Secretary General even described the report as a code red of humanity. Now the assessment puts the fault of climate change flatly on the face of humans and says that these extreme temperatures that we're experiencing will only continue to rise unless steep emission cuts are taken. Now for those of you interested in doing a deep dive and reading more about this assessment, we're gonna include a link below. Listen, I also want to really just point out here at Revolt, we talk a lot and will continue to talk about the fight for justice. But make no mistake about it, environmental justice is certainly part of the cause. So listen, we will continue to spotlight these issues and bring them to light. All right, now lastly here, we've got some very positive great news. The National Basketball Foundation is giving $6 million away in grants to black-owned businesses and youth-focused groups. 
Some of the grant recipients include New Door Ventures, the Center for Teen Empowerment, All-Star Code, Sponsors for Educational Opportunity, Women's Housing and Economic Development Corporation, Just the Beginning, and the Boys and Girls Club of Southeastern Michigan. Congratulations to all the recipients. All right, y'all, that's it for this week's headlines. But up next, Kaz and Rodney Rakai are gonna look back at the final weeks of the Olympics. So stay with us, we've got much more Revolt Black News after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. It's your boy Cass here with your sports headlines. And since the Olympics are now over, we're covering all things Tokyo and joining me is my brother, my man. He's a regular here. You know him, you love him. The one and only Rodney Rakai. Rodney, what's poppin', brother? I like the, I like the background you got over there. You look, you look, you look real lavish. It's very nice. I'm just living a normal life. Everyone <laughs> stay calm, cool, and collected. What's up, big dog? How you doing, man? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Let's let's jump into these this this, uh, this Olympic talk real quick, my brother. The U.S. national men's team dominated this year's Olympics after a little bit of a slow start. Uh, the team won their fourth straight gold medal, led by the boy Kevin Durant, who also passed Carmelo Anthony and is now the all-time leading scorer in USA basketball history. Did you happen to check out that gold medal game? What were your thoughts? 1,000%. All right, I know we get enamored with Kevin Durant because he can put the ball in the bucket, but can we talk about the man's defense? The man is the five. He's patrolling the paint. He's blocking shots. He's showing hard on screens. Like, outside of what he did offensively, which was carry the team, he also carried the team defensively, man. So I'm a huge KD fan. He's clearly the best player in the world. If you would like to contest that, make your argument for whomever. I mean, there's a couple arguments that could be made. There's still a guy in Los Angeles that wears number 23. Well, I guess number six this year that I'm still not about to go against. But, but you mentioned the defense, right? Drew Holiday. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about Devin Booker, Chris Middleton. Fresh off of winning a title, still smelling like champagne. Couldn't even watch the ace of spades off their back before they hopped into playing to Tokyo and was playing big, important minutes for the USA basketball team now. For folks who wasn't watching, this isn't the US basketball team of old, all right? This isn't like just, you know, looking like an all-star game is running up and down. These are hard fought basketball games. So talk to me, man. Like Drew Holiday, Devin Booker, six games of hard fought NBA Finals basketball, and then going into feeble rules USA basketball against the world. What how impressive was that? Um, it was pretty impressive, but again, when you're when you're coattailing Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, you know, <laughs> the workload is a little bit light. But I'll, I'll be honest, man, I felt like Drew Holiday was the second best player on Team USA. Uh, his, his defensive presence on the wing, he shut down a lot of elite perimeter guards, international play, which is very, very difficult. But international play is actually kind of, it kind of benefits what he does defensively, right? Yeah. Because he's a physical yeah. guard. And in international play, he can get up on you. He can put hands on you. And so it's kind of to his benefit. But Jason Tatum played a hell of a game uh, in the in the gold game as well. I thought that 
throughout the Olympics, he was struggling. I thought Pop ruined him. I'm like, oh no, Pop. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I don't want to. I don't want to see. The, I, I feel like Jason Tatum hasn't had to come off the bench anywhere since he was like six years old. You know what I mean? So never, it's 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 never. a little bit to come. It's a little bit to get used to. I can I can imagine him having a little bit of struggles. But if he drops yeah. sixty on the San Antonio Spurs this year, you'll know why. But yo, another dope story is uh, Javale McGee. He's in the league of his own now with his own mother because his mama, Pam McGee, the great, are the only mother-son duo to both hold gold medals in Olympic history. Pamela McGee won a gold medal with the U.S. women's basketball team in 1984, while her son won this year. I don't know who's going to be the next person to make that happen, but how special is that to share that with your son? You know, I think I think it's going to happen. Like, I could imagine a world in which Candace Parker has another kid. You know, her kid wins an Olympic gold medal because clearly she's built of alien DNA. Um, it's, it's amazing, though, man. One, one hell of a family they have over there. Uh, they have a, a, another daughter who I believe is in the WNBA. They have another niece who can do hella backflips. You know, I know her personally. <laughs> if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's. Um, so they got some, they got some crazy jeans. You know, but I, I wonder what happened to Pam McGee. Like, she used to be front and center at all uh, JaVale's Wizard games. We don't see her anymore. Her and Cheryl Miller oddly disappeared around the same time. I don't know what's going on, but something is afoot and a foul. Speaking of women's basketball, the one and only Dawn Staley and the U.S. National Women's Basketball Team have crossed another milestone. The team has now won the Olympic gold for not once, not twice, not three times, not four, not five, not six, but seven consecutive Olympics as the U.S. men's basketball team tying their run going from 1936 to 1968. These two programs are the only to ever accomplish this feat in Olympic history. And Dawn Staley is the first black women's basketball coach for the U.S. and only the second to win a gold medal as a player assistant and head coach. Rodney. Yeah. I know this is a silly question, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway because they are a dynasty. Do you think they, they could do it again next Olympics? <laughs> Death, taxes, and the USA <laughs> women's basketball team winning gold medals are three things that are for damn sure, certain year in, year out. I mean, just imagine when Paige Buckets gets to the WNBA and she's playing for Team USA. I mean, it's really not going to be fair. You know? Like, our U.S. women's uh, national basketball team is just, they, they're too elite. Like, the female talent in basketball in America right now is crazy. I love, I'm a fan of the WNBA. I watch WNBA basketball. So if you are not tuned into what these women are doing during their season, even outside of the Olympics, you are missing out. It's elite basketball across the board. Although one time I did beat Mo Curry in the game of one on one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but you had to get that out there. You had to get that out there. I'm not. There's uh, funny. one thing. One thing to add to that. Yes, the U.S. Olympic basketball team is dominant. But if they don't have Neka Ogumike on that team next year, we're going to have some problems, okay? Like, I love, I love Sue Bird. I love Diana Taurasi. I know the OGs. I get it. I, they're great ambassadors for the game. But you got to pass that torch, baby. You got to get to the next generation. But let's keep it Olympics with uh, Allison Felix, the queen of the gold. She made history as she took home yet another 
medal. The sprinter won a bronze medal in the 400 meter race, making her the 11th, giving her her 11th medal and making her the most decorated female in Olympic track and field history. Okay. Are you catching all the love for her online, Rodney? Yeah, for sure, man. I, I, you know, childbirth is, is scary, right? It, it changes your body. It changes your mentality. It changes your emotions. So to go through that process, to lose a sponsorship deal, um, and still go out to Tokyo and medal is super impressive. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I respect, you know, her union, but Allison Felix for sure is one of my all-time favorite female crushes. One, I can say that without any shame. I'm proud it's that she's still good. out here. Yeah, <laughs> and let's talk about Jamaica. All right, they're showing no signs of slowing down as the women's team dominated their track and field events. They won their first gold medal in the four by 100 meter race in 17 years, while the United States filed behind to win the silver. The win was also extra special because they landed on Jamaica's Independence Day. I'm not going to do a Jamaican accent because it's terrible, but shout out to them. And let's end on some fun because there were a whole lot of random sports that we just saw during the Olympic Games, from trampoline to air pistol to speed walking to simply Snoop's commentary and Kevin Hart about the horse crip walking. Rodney, I know you watched those videos on Peacock. Talk to me about your Olympic experience and all these sports that I didn't even know were Olympic sports. Yeah, there was a lot of them. I want to say that Peacock made it way too difficult to watch most of the things that I wanted to watch. They got to get it together. Um, but the things that I was able to, to watch that um, that wowed me, man, Snoop is just a Teflon Don. I don't think there's – it's unbelievable how this man has reinvented himself into the most appreciated, respected, and beloved man on earth. It is insane to me. Um, I will say that USA men's three-on-three -three basketball team – can we please get some guys who know how to hoop? They had a five six guy from Harlem. I never saw him a day in my life. Come on, he was on come on. He had Robbie Hummel. That's supposed to be our sport, dog. We didn't even <laughs> listen, 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 listen. We got more folks. We got more folks that have aged out of the men's basketball team that would have brought home the gold. Call Jamal Crawford up. Call Carmelo Anthony up. Call J.R. Smith up. Oh, 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 who am I missing? Who am I missing? Who am I missing? Joe Johnson. Iso Joe. Oh, Iso Joe? In a three on three? Oh, yeah, no. It'll be a wrap. Iso Joe, Mello, and Jamal Crawford, they would get Mello some more gold medals. I won't be mad at that. Make the call. Make the call, Rodney. I know you got to connect. Rodney, my brother, it's always good catching up with you and your very wealthy backgrounds and your excursions. You continue to do what you do. And thanks for breaking all things Olympics down with me. We're going to do it again very, very soon. Hopefully we'll get that peacock check and do what they do. But all right, up next, Blue Toulouse and Angie Nwandu celebrating all this week's Black excellence in entertainment. Stick around after this. Revolt Black News. I'm Blue Tulusma, and today I'll be bringing you all things Black and excellent from this week. And joining me in celebrating all the headlines is none other than my good sis, Angie from The Shade Room. Angie, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Blue. You know I was happy when I found out you was the host, so I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so, Angie, let's get right into it. Um, 
Producer Devin Franklin is teaming up with Amazon Studios to bring his New York Times bestseller, Relationship Goals, How to Win at Dating, to life. Franklin Entertainment will be teaming up with Michael Elliott, Corey Tynan, and they'll be writing the script. And Angie, I have to be honest, I feel like I need this book so badly, and now I need the movie even more. Are you going to be checking out for this film at all? No, okay, so I like Devon Franklin films because they're like feel-good films. It's like Hallmark, yeah, you know, yeah. chill with your family type of film. So I do like his films. As long as he's dropping like the jewels and all the gems about like how they keep their relationship together. Because I think they've been together for like, what, since 2012 or something like that? So they've had yeah, a really it's good... It's been a good while. Yeah, I'm team them. Whatever prayer she and Sierra said, I would like to give me <laughs> some of that. Uh <laughs> With Broadway reopening, Thoughts of a Colored Man is set to receive its Broadway debut on October 1st. The Black-owned play stars Luke James, Keith David, and a lot of others. And the production is the first new show to premiere after the COVID-19 shutdowns. Angie, how do we feel about this? Because Broadway is in New York. I mean, I love going to see Broadways. I mean, there's nothing like it, so it's a whole different experience, but I haven't gotten the vaccine yet, I ain't gonna lie, so I don't know if I'll be able to yeah. see it. So, uh, but no, I think I think it's dope that they're, you know, reopening things and people get to, like, enjoy those experiences that we haven't been able to enjoy in so long. So I'm excited. I'm excited for all those actors who have been itching to hear the applause and they can finally make their way back to Broadway. Mm-hmm, definitely. Now, all-American actor Jalen Hall has been tapped to play Emmett Till in the upcoming production, Till. I love that title, by the way. Um, EGOT actress, speaking of Broadway, Whoopi Goldberg, um, Daniel Deadwire are also set to play in the upcoming feature. There's no release date yet, but Angie, obviously, we're both going to be going to see Till, right? Jalen Hall is a really good actor, too, so I feel like he's going to play the part really well. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah. I think anybody who's going to play Emmett Till, he's probably living and breathing Emmett Till's life in order to even bring that to stage. And the commitment it takes for a role like that, I can't wait to see what they do with it. Um, speaking of people that I can't wait to see, Nicole Byer. Uh, for some reason, people think I look like her sometimes. I don't know why that is. She's beautiful, though, so I'll take it. Um, Emmy-nominated comedian Nicole Byer has announced her first hour-long comedy special that's hitting on Netflix. The Nailed It host is set to film the special September 5th in New York. Everything's happening in New York these days. And Byer, listen to this, she made history as the first re Black reality show host to ever be nominated for an Emmy. I find that so hard to believe when there's so many amazing Black hosts out there. Um, and mm -hmm. apparently her special is going to be streaming by the end of this year. So it's going to be a very quick turnaround. Are you looking forward to the comedy special? Are you like a comedy special kind of girl? Yeah, so I, I definitely am a comedy special girl, especially with black comedians. I feel like we don't get that enough. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, it's funny they said that you look like her because they say I look like her too. I guess it's, a, <laughs> uh, you know. Every smiley black girl looks like you, Nicole. Exactly. Love you. <laughs> But no, I loved her on Nailed It. I love her personality. Um, but I ha I haven't seen her do like a stand-up, so I'm excited to see how she, she knocks this out the park. But I know she's going to do it. Do it really well. Yeah, I didn't even know she did stand-up, but she's so funny. It's kind of obvious now that she would do stand-up. So mm -hmm. congratulations to you, Nicole. You, apparently you're me and Angie's cousin, so we're extra rooting for you. <laughs> um, speaking of people who know us, who are rooting for Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. 
Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. In music, uh, and Angie, please tell me if I'm saying this name correctly. Tunji Balagoon. Did I pronounce that right? Yes, beautiful yes. name. Sounds like a song. Well, Tunji has been named the new CEO of Def Jam Rec- Records. So let's just clap for that. The RCA Record Executive Vice President of A&R will be joining Def Jam in January of 2022. Tunji has orchestrated the signing of multiple artists, including some of my faves like Bryson Tiller and Khalid. And so, congrats to you, fam, because that's kind of a big deal. Listen, I love Tunji. We met a long time ago and we wanted to do business together. And so I'm just happy to see him elevating, taking over the scene. And plus, Def Jam definitely needs a black CEO. So I'm, I'm down for that. I'm happy. Def Jam is, is for the culture. And so you should have somebody who looks like the culture. I completely agree with that. Speaking of being for the culture, we're about to talk about two of my faves. Rapper Lil Baby has made a lot of waves in the Atlanta music scene. And we know he's in a lot of tracks with my problematic king, Drake, I love you, Drake. Please call me. Apparently, though, word on the street is as we're all waiting for Drake's new project, uh, Certified Lover Boy, perfect title, to come out. Apparently, him and Little Baby have another song in the vault that might be a part of that. Angie, you have the inside track on all things Black Entertainment. Do you think Little Baby's going to make another appearance on a Drake track? Listen, uh, I, there's all these like fake track lists floating around. So some have them on there, some don't. So I really don't know. It would be a good move for Drake to put Lil Baby on, uh, you know, his album. But the funny thing is that Kanye West is releasing his album sometime in the next two weeks. Uh, and and uh, we know Drake said he was releasing his album at the end of the summer. Kanye has Lil Baby on his album. So I don't know. I feel like, you know, this could be a really interesting thing. He could probably be back like 50 Cent and Kanye releasing on the same day type stuff. So I'm excited to see. Oh, man. Wait, Angie, this was so much fun. Did time already run out? Well, thank you for helping me celebrate all this week's (laughs) Black Excellence in Entertainment. I feel like that went by so quickly. You have to come back, Angie, because I want to hear more about your taste in music. Um, we definitely need to do this again. But coming up next, our other good sis, Ebony, is interviewing author and financial coach Dr. Lynn Richardson about Black home ownership. So stick around. More Revolt Black news after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. So listen, we've talked a lot on this show about the various systems of discrimination that impact us, but there's one example that deserves a lot more attention and spotlight. It's black home ownership. Because right now, black home ownership is said to be at its lowest level since the 1960s. Now here, y'all know we don't just talk about the numbers. We have to talk practically about what it will take for our people to actually step into the spaces, rooms with lenders and understand what the buying process is like 
for that first home. So joining me is author, entertainment executive, and celebrity financial coach, Dr. Lynn Richardson. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, Dr. Lynn, this is very personal to me because I'm in this process right now of actually trying to purchase this first home. And I have learned a lot um, and I'm continuing to learn every day. So let's start with this. We know that people of color, black people particularly, are being discriminated against uh, by lenders, by real estate agents and the appraisal process. We know a lot of us don't even know what our rights are. We don't even know the questions to ask. So if somebody, Dr. Lynn, is looking to buy that first home, where should you start and what advice do you give? Well, I would have to say if you're going to start buying a home, if you're thinking about getting approved for a mortgage, if you're trying to overcome uh, past credit issues, employment issues, down payment issues, or even if you think uh, your profile is perfect, um, I would say go to buy a home with Lynn. Dot info. I have a free class. Uh, I have been in the mortgage uh, and financial services industry for well over two decades. As a matter of fact, my first love is the mortgage industry, although uh, I am the financial expert for several celebrity celebrities and everyday folks. Uh, my One of my first books is Yes, You Approved, The Real Deal About Getting a Mortgage and Buying a Home. When I came into the mortgage industry, I realized that African-Americans and people of color were disproportionately being uh, excluded from the home buying process for biases that you would never even imagine. See, in this home buying process, what people have to understand and the reason why you don't know what questions to ask is because it's much mm -hmm. like the law. So during my career, uh, I helped a lady with four bankruptcies and two foreclosures overcome her issues. That was all about positioning. It was like preparing mm. a case. And the case that I always mm -hmm. say is, I have to make the underwriter believe that you're gonna pay back this mortgage. And if you did right. not pay your car note or whatever, then I've gotta establish mm -hmm. a case. So it is an epidemic, it's a pandemic as far as I'm concerned. And uh, we need to bring more right. attention to it so buyers are educated. Now, Dr. Lee, when it comes to uh, first-time buyer programs, we, we hear about them a lot, but I know they can vary. Um, what can they entail and, and does it differ uh, depending on where you live in the country? So, yeah, first-time home buyer programs are another thing that are expansive. There are home buyer programs that require you to live in the home for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the home buying grant, you would have to pay it back. There are home buyer programs that have mm -hmm. no minimum credit score, but you must have enough money saved in the bank. All of our responsibility to make sure home buyers have access to professionals who understand the business and who are gonna take time to look mm -hmm. through your scenario and then uh, discover the program that works for you based on where you live, based on your uh, long-term and short-term goals, based on your family's needs, and of course, based upon your finances and your income. Uh, we have to talk about some of the challenges uh, that the black community faces, uh, the racist impositions, everything from redlining and things like that. Talk a little bit about redlining, uh, how it started and how it can show up even today. Well, you know, redlining, there's so many things that we thought were um, a thing of the past. And one of the most interesting things is, first of all, African-American women are the single most uh, 
educated group of people on the planet. We have the most student loan debt. And then, so we graduate from college with a mortgage, but no house. So what we're finding is African-Americans are either not able to, and, and, and I will say people of color in general, are not able to get a home simply because of the financial limitations. And when they do, then we are often placed into communities um, where the property values may not be as high. Um, my personal story is um, my husband and I went out with, uh, as a matter of fact, it was my girl, MC Light, and she said, Lynn, you should come out and see these properties. It was the first weekend in January of this year, and it was a gold mine. It, it literally was the deal of a lifetime, a prime property with a view looking over. I think I can see all of California um, from my property, and I was able to get it for very, very, for, for significantly less than what it's worth now. Mm. Well, once uh, I think folks realize, okay, there are folks who've got these properties and they don't necessarily look at up like us, there are other little things that come into play. And because I knew the industry, I was able to get around those things and I was able to ultimately close on my property. There are prime properties that stay in majority communities for centuries. Mm -hmm. And these properties, they don't just appreciate in value. They literally become uh, banks, you know, literally banks because the values go so right. high. So we have, have been, in my opinion, denied access to these properties. I cannot tell you the number of celebrities who've said to me they couldn't get a mortgage. They've got credit, yeah. they've got money, but couldn't buy the house. If we can't get reparations, can we at least own a home and do so fairly and equitably uh, in the way that majority communities are able to do so? Well, you mentioned reparations, Dr. Lynn. I want to talk about it because, uh, you know, many of us think that that could be a form of reparations when we talk about the home buying process, whether that's uh, the federal government or local governments offering uh, no interest loans or uh, forgiving down payments. Uh, what do you think about um, exploring what reparations could look like in the form of home ownership for black Americans? You know, to be quite honest, and you I, you all know I shoot from the hip. I'm not necessarily mm -hmm. interested in the conversation about reparations. I'm more interested in the conversation um, that we can have with each other among ourselves to equip ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I'm much more interested in doing what I can that is within my power yeah. right now to change my situation. Because if I get into the conversation about reparations, who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That's a distraction, and I don't know when it's going to happen. But I know that I have power and control over my situation now, and so do all of us. So that's where I put my time, attention, and energy. Fair enough. Now, we know that there's a new report from the National Community Reinvestment Coalition, big name there, and they're calling for setting a, a goal of 60% for black home ownership over the next 20 years. Dr. Lynn, what do you think about that number? Is it high enough? I think 60% over the next 20 years is, is not enough. I think we need to aim higher towards 75% over the next five years. <laughs> That's what I think. I think yeah. 20 years is a very long time um, to inch up the ladder of, of wealth creation um, for uh, people of color. 
All right. Now, as we wrap up here, Dr. Lynn, um, you know, amazing resources. We definitely want to make sure everybody goes to uh, your website so they can be a part of this community that you speak about. Uh, any last tips for people that are looking to increase that credit score, that FICO score, um, and, and put themselves in position to qualify for a mortgage? You know, what I would say is it takes a lot of undoing to undo the doing we have done. The only thing that's going to change our situation collectively is us taking control of our situation. Um, cry through it, pray through it, team up through it, but ensure that you stay connected. One stream of income is hazardous to your wealth, so we want to make sure we identify additional streams of income. We want to make sure we put ourselves in position to own uh, land and own real estate if it fits our needs um, and ultimately put mm -hmm. ourselves in a position to, over time, be able to retire in peace with mm -hmm. dignity, um, with well over seven figures so that you can move into that next phase of your life. Because I think retirement is for doing the thing that you really want to do, not necessarily just sitting down every day. Um, so the best thing mm -hmm. I would say is, yes, go to buyahomewithlynn.info. What take the free class, get all the information, hmm. uh, go to the next steps. And if you have any other questions, uh, just visit askland.org and I'm available 24 seven, 365 days um, to help us get to the next level. All right, askland.org. We love that. Thank you so much, Dr. Richardson, truly uh, dropping major gems for us here at Revolt Black News. And we appreciate you for getting out this important info. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Thank you all so much. All right. Now, I want to bring us back to an earlier conversation about vaccines, because regardless of any one particular view, what we should be able to come together on is taking the responsibility for ourselves and our community to get tested when we see fit. So if we're feeling symptomatic, you got to get tested. If we've been in highly populated situations that may have left us vulnerable to being infected, you got to get tested. If we heard that someone tested positive whom we've recently come in contact with, we gotta get tested. Look, listen, we gotta be transparent and honest with ourselves first and foremost if we are carrying this virus. And if we are, we have got to communicate that to others and act accordingly. So please go to the link below, type in your zip code and the nearest testing site will pop up. Listen, if we're gonna make it out of this pandemic, we have got to lock arms to the finish line. We gotta treat it like the marathon that it truly is. For Revolt Black News, I'm Ebony K. Williams. See you next time. needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.